Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Welcome to this edition of Aim Higher. Today, we're talking about how to get the most from your review, how to get the most from feedback from your manager, because it is so critical to your career. I remember it well, even though it was years ago. It was a Thursday morning. I was just rolling into the office. I was hurrying to the coffee machine for a dose of badly needed caffeine when I heard a voice behind me. Hey, Skip, can we grab five minutes to talk about my email? Now, I took a deep breath because this individual knows me well enough to know, do not talk to me before I've had my coffee. And I resist anybody who says, can I grab you for five minutes or two minutes? Because that is always an hour. So kidding aside, I said what most people don't like to hear from the boss. I said, sure, I will give you some feedback. And fortunately, this person had a good relationship with me, so she didn't react with a look of horror. But feedback, usually the mere mention of the word makes our blood pressure rise, makes our defenses go up. For many of us, it's a dirty word we associate with bias, politics, resentment, self-doubt. Well, two authors I once interviewed, Tamara Chandler and Laura Grealish, wrote a book called Feedback and Other Dirty Words, Why We Fear It and How to Fix It. And they had a lot of interesting statistics in this book and in our post. One was that feedback in business can boost performance. A study of more than 19,000 employees by the Corporate Executive Board indicated the strongest lever of increased performance is the fairness and accuracy of a manager's descriptive feedback. The second was it drove measurable improvement. A 2018 Institute for Corporate Performance and Center for Effective Organizations joint study said that performance feedback culture drives business impact. It found that organizations that ranked in the top third for creating a feedback culture outperformed the bottom significantly by a two-to-one margin in financial factors. And also, it increased the leadership impact. Leaders who ranked in the bottom 10% for giving honest feedback had teams that also ranked in the bottom, 25% lower at least in engagement. And the top 10% for giving that would put the team in the top quartile. So many, many studies support this. But most employees are saying they don't get enough. The authors of that book pointed to a 2018 Office Vibe Global State of Employee Engagement study, I know I'm throwing out a lot of statistics, said that 62% of employees want more feedback from their colleagues. And 83% said they appreciate feedback, positive and negative. Though I wonder if that's really true on the negative side. So we're going to talk about employee feedback. And we're going to talk specifically about if you're getting the feedback, what are some of the steps you can take? How do you really create this opportunity to get feedback and make the performance review session or other feedback sessions exceptional? And what are the steps to doing that? So I want to talk a little bit about that with a expert panel. We're glad to have back talking again about feedback. First, we have Tammy Spade, who represents People, performance, what was the other one? Place. Place. You should purpose. come up with some more pieces. Pickles. Purpose. Pickles. Okay. Well, <laughs> oftentimes we find ourselves in a pickle in this podcast mm. and we can find our way out of it. Good Work catch. that right in. Yes. And we have Drew Bordis, all things operations and associated other things. Yes. Yes. Other duties as assigned. 
Happy to, happy to be here. And we have Bart Murphy way down on this other end of the room, at least I don't know how many feet away. Everybody's socially distanced, but Bart Murphy, who's a technology executive and has been involved in all parts of global businesses, we welcome Bart Murphy. Thank you. So we're talking about feedback. And the very first thing I think is important is if you want to have a great feedback session as an employee, the very first thing you need to do is take ownership. Realize it's yours. I think this is a big thing that people miss because we go into and we're just like receptive. We wait. What is the boss going to tell me? But if you really want the most out of your review session, performance review, whatever you want to call it, performance conversation as we have, you need to take ownership. It is yours. Realize it is designed actually for who? You. It's to make you better. It's to show your blind spots. It's to show your superpowers. It's to see, you know, what is the perception of me? It's to see how can I do better, improve, do more for my team, or highlight all the things that I'm doing well. So the first is, I think, take ownership. It's not something that people usually think about when they think about performance review, is it? You don't necessarily prepare. You write yourself review, and then you just wait to see what's going to happen. You just sit there. But that's not taking ownership. I think it's important for you to come in with very specific outcomes that you want to get from your manager. What do you think about that? I love that we're talking about this because I think that we don't pay very much attention to it in corporate worlds. We tend to focus on training managers and leaders to have these kinds of conversations. And we really don't focus on helping employees own it and creating their own set of outcomes and then questions that might deal with those outcomes. So I, I think it's a great topic for today. Number two that I have is think positive. So I asked 20 people, how do they feel about getting reviewed? And big surprise, not one positive answer. Now, by the way, none of them work for me. People that work for me think it's fabulous. Just can't even wait. Best reviews ever. Best reviews ever. So people don't generally think about it, but you should enter your review with a positive attitude, thinking about how can it benefit my career? How can it enhance my relationship with my boss? How can it increase my bond with my team or help me identify with my goals or better understand the metrics by which I'm being judged? I want to think positively instead of walking in with this dreaded, oh, what am I going to do? How do we best enter a review positively? Any suggestions that you would have to do that? Well, I think taking some time before the review on your own to say, what what do I critically, truthfully, honestly think about, you know, whether it's the previous year or a project, whatever the feedback session, you know, is about. And you're going to have some good in there. Don't just put the negative. What? Well, that went well. That went well. That could go better. And just have a have an open mind that the person that I'm going to be talking to, hopefully, hopefully, I have a, a good trusted relationship with, and any feedback they give me is going to be from a place of caring and improvement, and not not a gotcha or a zinger. Or here's why you're terrible. Yeah, I mean, from preparation, we it's both it's, it goes both ways, right? I think the more prepared the manager is, the more prepared the employees, the better the conversation is going to be. And I, you know, from an accountability perspective. I would also say that the employee needs to be present during that as well. So if you can be fully prepared and be ready to be accountable, 
and not have a present conversation. And so it's one thing to be prepared. It's another to be present in the conversation. I just see that happening uh, quite a bit where, and you've had it, if you're an employee, I've done it myself. I've gone in with a very specific agenda. Uh, I really want to get feedback in these areas. I felt that I did well in these areas. I want affirmation on that. I want to confirm that I'm doing poorly in these. I'm sort of self-aware enough to know and maybe get some actionable items with them. And it's almost mechanical from the standpoint as opposed to being present in the conversation. So be prepared, but don't be mechanical would be my suggestion. Preparation, but not mechanical. The third is, and Bart mentioned be present, I think active listening. It's an art. And if you want to enter this review, you have to be actively listening, which is a skill and it requires a higher awareness. It requires that you're asking questions, seeking to really understand that manager's point of view. You're not in a courtroom where you're trying to prove a point, but you're really actively listening. You're trying to take in information and understand it in a way versus I'm entering a battle. Active listening. Any tips for actively listening during a performance review or a feedback session? Well, hopefully you're not having this conversation once a year. Because if it's continual and it's happening throughout the year, that becomes a lot easier. You've had, it's not a one-time event for which you have to do a ton of preparation. But if it is a, a more isolated event, I think being able to take down in note form or whatever form works for you, the major points that you're hearing and then clarify those. I loved what you said about outcome skip, because if you go into it with what would I like to get out of this? I know what my outcomes are, then you can craft some questions around those and you can ask those questions as well. We spoke about it a little bit on the previous podcast about making things conversational from the manager's standpoint. I think that goes to the employee as well. You know, the conversation works both ways. So you've got to be prepared to talk about the observations, talk about the feedback and not in a defensive way, just uh here's how I saw that, or I totally agree, that was great, or that was, you know, it could have been better. And it will help get more specifics out of it, I feel like, versus just sitting there with your arms crossed saying, well, that's what you think. I mean, that, that's <laughs> not a conversation, you know? I don't think it is. Yeah. But you can cross your arms, and I've seen that with people. Not in a performance review, but I've seen, I've seen those conversations. The fourth is be ready. Be ready. I think there's two parts of this. I think of them maybe in stark terms of sword and shield, of offense and defense. I think offensively, the sword is showcase your best performance, whether it's your self-review, whether it's in that meeting, whether it's things that you didn't declare, but you want to walk in and showcase your best performance. If you don't, who do you think will? This is a big mistake people make. They think, well, you know what these things are. And maybe I want to be humble. Maybe I don't like self-promotion. And so I'm going to hold those things back. Hold them back to your detriment. Your boss is busy. They're thinking about their own things. They're thinking about what happened with their family. And they're thinking about bills. They're thinking about their manager, their own objectives. They are not thinking about you necessarily. So you have to be prepared as a sword with the offense of showcasing your best performance. And the second is... Instead of getting into this horrible situation 
and being defensive, which is a problem. Think about shield. Think about how will I handle negative feedback? Now, some people think about it and they get very specific. This might be said, and so I'm going to say this. And this might be said, and I'm going to say this. Here's what I would advise. Don't do that. Here's what I would advise. Write it down. When your boss says this, just write it down. Don't respond. Don't go into DEFCON 3 mode and then not listen because you're so defensive that you shut down everything else because you're seeing red. Instead, expect it. Something will come up in that conversation that's negative. The shield is not necessarily being ready with all arguments, but it's being ready with a process for you. It's saying, tell me more about that. Let me write that down. Let me think about that. Can I get back to you on this? I want to give that some additional thought. I'd love to ask some of my teammates about whether they experience that as well. Those kind of things will allow you to take it in and process it and not take that meeting into a negative place. So how do you feel about my analogy, sword and shield? You don't have to answer that one. But positive and negative, offensively and defensively, or playing offense and defense in a review session. Part of the preparation, at least, you know, in my career as an employee going in for a performance review is literally to do what you just said. They may say this, here's my response. And and this is what typically gets in my way when it comes to active listening. You're waiting for a trigger moment where you have a response that you want to get put in. And it's a it's certainly thing I have to work on consistently, you know, even today, you know, but certainly younger in my career, I uh, had a big problem with it. And so I think it definitely impacts the active listening, the shield part, and the body language is so apparent when that occurs. You're almost anticipating the next word. They see you're glazing over because you're thinking in your mind. Uh, You're a little defensive probably with the crossed arms, like Drew said. So being prepared and being an active listener is just so key. And then being authentic in receiving that feedback without having a response and sometimes preparation there will kill you because you will play through that in your mind the night before, especially for a big performance review, first five to seven years of your career, you're really on edge. You don't have a lot of experience with it. You aren't as familiar with that type of cycle. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said about what you just mentioned as far as the shield and being able to absorb it, write it down, and do not respond to it in a specific manner that you have already planned, I'm sure many times in your head. Before so you don't meeting. want to say, Bart, to the boss, like, you're an idiot. That's absolutely factually incorrect. I have an Excel spreadsheet that says this. Here's where we are. Can, can't we just say it depends on the relationship? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Drew could say that. Yeah. So. It, does, it actually <laughs> does. Can't we just say? It Gener- actually Generally does. not a good idea, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually very much does depend on the relationship. Yeah. At the same time, as somebody delivering that news. If someone is firing back at you and yelling, whatever, you generally will then escalate it back. You just won't just sit there and take it. And isn't it more powerful when someone says, tell me more about that. Let me write that down. Let me think about that. And then comes back with a very specific thing about it or even writes to you. You know, I thought about what you said and then can put all that in in a thoughtful way. When we look at our fight or flight response, and you see your stress hormones go up and you're looking at, you know, my cortisol levels and my hormones at where am I, then that stressed out reaction is not likely to lead to a positive conversation that people both leave and feel good about. And so whenever that happens, and I've been guilty of it myself, that's why I put it here, is to just take it in and then say, you know, that's interesting. And, and sometimes when you walk away from that, you realize, you know what? 
in the scheme of things, that was such a little nit, it's not worth me coming back to it. They're not really focused on it. And if I overly focus on it, I'm going to, I'm going to make something out of this that it isn't. And other times it may be very important. And you say, you know what, I've done a poor job of explaining this. And I think you may have a misperception because of my inability or lack of focus in doing that. So allow me the opportunity to tell you a little bit more. And then you make your case, right? So, so it's much more powerful than yelling or getting red or you know slamming the table or saying you're an idiot. Sometimes, unless that, you've won the lottery, and you and might, you want to leave, yeah, that that could work. I, I think I, the lottery is like up to like four hundred and eighty million. Oh wow, yeah. I didn't know that. I think that is. So, are you telling us are something? We, are we going to be finished soon? <laughs> I need to go out. Are you telling us something? No. It is true. I guess the relationship matters, <laughs> and if you've won the lottery, also matters. The fifth is tank accountability. I think if you enter a review session and you take accountability, don't blame people. Don't blame other departments. Don't blame circumstances. Don't blame the economy. Don't blame the exchange rates. Don't blame customers. Take accountability. It really matters. Now, it doesn't mean there's not reasons for things or rational or explanations or color that you can add to something. But the more you take accountability, the better you will be in terms of your own success and the more respect you will have when someone says, I own that. You're right. It's just so powerful. It takes everything out of the room. And the manager may have been preparing and preparing and preparing. And when you say, I own that, you're right. I'm going to do better at that. Instead of them feeling worse about you or saying, oh, I got that. They think, wow, that's awesome. I believe it. It just, it, it actually emboldens you and it gives you more Confidence. So I think taking accountability is true. Have you seen people take accountability and that turn the performance review around? I, I definitely have. I have too. And I think it's a sign of maturity in an individual as well. There are times when you can say, yeah, I own that. You're absolutely right. I struggled a little bit with my partnership with this group on that project or in that particular initiative. What advice do you have for me in order to to fix that next time. I think that's okay, you know, and it engages, it has accountability, but it's also recognizing that there are other people in the process that you have to depend on. The other area where I see this a lot is in career discussions. I've talked to so many people who've said, my career is at a standstill and my boss isn't doing anything about it. Well, it's not your boss's job to do anything about it. It's your job, this is your career. And as you were saying earlier, you know, showcase your best work. Your career is something that you own. Certainly, your manager or other leaders can support you, and you can be clear with them about how you think they can do that, but own it. Own the conversations, own the feedback sessions, and certainly own your career. I think accountability with conversation, right? I think that's the key, Tammy, because mm -hmm. like, it's not just, hey, I own it, right? Salute the flag, you know, fall on the sword, right? I find it super useful when you can actually dig into do you have a blind spot there? I, or, or I would even say to you, like, you know what? That is totally me. I miss that. And I really don't know why. I don't know why I procrastinate on that or don't want to do that meeting or, or whatever. That allows you to really dig into it and fix it. Or you might say, you know, I, it's because Bart's in that meeting. It's Bart's fault. Well, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you do know why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Bart. Taking accountability is a sign of maturity, as you said. It's a sign of leadership. And it is a remarkable sign that somebody's really moving in the right direction for their career and everything. It is so easy to play the blame game. The seventh is, and we've referenced this in different parts, but I think the seventh is asking great questions. 
important in that review. And it's part of this active listening. It's part of this feedback session. It's part of this conversation. Would you give me an example of that? I'd like to know more about how you came to that conclusion. Am I doing enough to showcase my work? What can I do to be a star player on this team? I think those are all important to give that opportunity to think about getting that clarification. So asking great questions. And it's not something that necessarily comes naturally because most people are just prepared to make their statements. I want to get this idea and this idea and this idea and this idea. But again, if you approach this entire process as I'm taking ownership of it, then asking great questions will come naturally from it. Because if I own it, I'm going to say, well, I'm not leaving this until I really, you know, one of the outcomes I have is until I really understand what the boss thinks. And asking those questions is the best way to get it, right? We may think that what we hear is it, but it often isn't. It's the, tell me more about that. Tell me the why behind that. How did you get to that conclusion? I don't like to understand that. And unpacking it may give you all the information you need that the boss didn't really share. Because it says, you know, I've noticed this. Tell me more about that. And then stop talking. That's the other key thing, right? So many people then keep talking and talking. I'd like to know more about that. And you look at them. And you're going to find out a lot of good information. Watch their body language. Watch the tone. Watch the energy. And you're going to get a lot of benefits. So asking these great questions, I think, is important. Any of you have any questions? No, but I do think that it's how you ask those questions as well. So going to the maturity, I really look at the emotional intelligence. I think as you start to get into your career and you're out of college and you're starting to build what you deem to be your career, a lot of your advancement isn't even particularly tied to maybe skills that you attain, but really is tied to your ability to manage your emotional intelligence, particularly in these instances. So there's a difference between saying, what is it going to take me to be the lead on this team? as a question to my manager, or I'd really like to be a lead. Where am I lacking that, you know, I need to pick up? So there's a difference, right? My kids do it all the time, right? You get this sort of non-emotional intelligent response to questions that if they were asked in a different manner, would actually be a great conversation and get stopped. So I, I see that being as well, you may be prepared, you may be asking good questions, but are you asking it based on that active listening, based on a real sense of trying to understand and work with your manager? Or are you doing it in a manner to sell yourself that you should already have that promotion, that you should be on that career path? I get that quite a bit too, where somebody may be stagnant in their career. And the questions they're asking are really trying to put me on notice that I'm not doing the right thing as a manager. So I'd be careful with the questions from the standpoint, are they coming from a real place of wanting to grow versus trying to sell yourself. Really good points. And maturity and intonation in those questions are also very important. You don't want to say, why do you think that? Or, <laughs> oh, come on, you think what? <laughs> or do you really think that about me? Right. It's probably not the most mature way to approach it. Now, I think I've gotten my numbers wrong, but I think it's very important to get this feedback. Take ownership, think positive, be an active listener, be ready think sword and shield, take accountability, ask great questions. And the last one I would say is be ready to give the boss feedback too. If you want to leave with that outcome, be ready to give the boss feedback too. And as part of that feedback, I would also think as a team member, not just about feedback that the boss is acting, 
but also feedback if it's positive on other team members. So I'm going to give you some feedback. I'm going to tell you that so-and-so on the team has been a great supporter this year. This person has really helped me champion this. I got this done, but I want to make sure I spotlight the efforts of so-and-so because that really is a benefit to the other people because that boss will typically walk into another meeting and say, you know, I want you to know that I'm hearing these great things because of this, that, and the other. But then this feedback to the boss, this that it goes back to this conversation. I think it's very, very important to be prepared and think about that outcome and be willing and ready to give the boss feedback too. Even if you're not asked, maybe ask that question. Would you be open to hearing some feedback that I have for you? Now, then I wouldn't just unload uh, some negative things, but really give a balanced report, I think, is important. Are most employees prepared for that, you think, about giving feedback or not? I don't know. I don't think a lot of people think that way. I think traditionally people go into the conversation expecting to get feedback, and they're not prepared to give it. I like that we're focusing on this because I think it's really important to have a two-way conversation. It might end up being in a, a next session. You know, maybe, maybe it's a lot to pack into one session. So being able to take that information and then come back asking for more feedback might even be a good way to sequence it. Yeah, I think it's important. I think that this entire feedback loop is a conversation. It's not a one-way thing. And I think that employees who are asking those questions will be seen as leaders, I think will be taking charge. And the more you take charge of the feedback session, the more you're going to be seen as a leader versus being passive and sitting there. These review sessions are very important. You don't want to be bragging, but you don't want to be so humble that you're hiding your accomplishments. You don't want to be blaming, and yet you also don't want to ignore if there are circumstances that the boss should be aware of. You really have to hit this balance, I think, on so many different levels. And all of it is starting with the base of that relationship you have with the person. And so work on your relationship with that person all the time because that relationship is really the most important part. The relationship is the fertile ground through which great feedback can occur. And so I think as we think about all of these different things about how you as an employee can make your feedback session and your review the most powerful and impactful that can change your performance and your career, you have to think about at least these seven things. And if you do all of them and do them well, you will use your feedback session to help you aim higher and achieve great things. So thank you for listening. We appreciate you giving us feedback and leaving exceptional reviews. Oh, only exceptional reviews? I don't know. We'll take all reviews. Only exceptional. Only exceptional? Five star. Five star. I said 20 last time, but five-star reviews. <laughs> Four times. We very much appreciate those of you who take the time to figure out what can be a very complicated formula sometimes to do a review, but it shouldn't be so hard. But sometimes it is. Uh, but just click on the buttons and uh, rate it well. So from all of us here at AIM Higher and my guests, Bart, Drew, and Tammy, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to AIM Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.